when we develop emotional sobriety, we become the sifter of our own experience. So I like it. I have an experience and I sift through it and I keep what's going to be of value and grow me and I let go of the rest. That becomes the healthy thing that I'm actively participating in the experience I'm having. And so if I sift through it and I see something, you know, God, that feedback they gave me, that was right on. There is a part of me that's exactly like that. And obviously it's showing up more than I realize. Bill Wilson co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is uh, producer Patrick Newman and uh, Dr. Alan Berger. How are you boys doing? Well, excited to follow up on our podcast from last week. Yeah. You know, Patrick and I were just talking about, you know, how disappointment has, you know, been riddled through both of our lives and through the lives of everybody. And, you know, last time yeah. we kind of explored it and talked about some of the the texture of it, right? The different aspects of it. You know, and today we're going to be focusing on like, what do you do with that? You know, how do you best cope with it? Yeah, the how-to because it's it's like uh, one of the, one of my takeaways from that last time was, I, and I found myself kind of being in other. Uh, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but I noticed that that when we have a, when we have certain conversations here on the on the podcast, I, I kind of carry the conversation forward into my into my week, you know, and I keep and I talk to people about it, and it's like this is one of them, and one of the things I was. Uh, and I can't remember the exact even words that we were talking about, but, but, you know, the idea that, that we hit on toward the end of that, which was, which was, can you be, can you be disappointed or even what I, what, you know, can you even be devastated and still be okay? Uh, because that's, that's emotional sobriety. And it's like, okay, doesn't mean everything's wonderful. Okay. Means that, you know, to use your terms, Alan, I'm holding on to myself to, to me, it's the idea of keeping both feet planted on the ground, even though I'm, if I may be off balance, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a weeble. I wobble, but I don't fall, fall down kind of thing. And that's, that's the challenge is because disappointment is, I mean, it, it, it comes, it comes with the job of being a human being. I mean, maybe there are people who would say they have not had disappointment, but I would say those people have not had opportunities to grow that some of the rest of us have had. Right. Our instinct is to personalize everything, but the key to not being destroyed by disappointment is to not take it personally. You know? Yeah. And yes. And, and that's it. And that I, I'm glad to you say that because to, to, to bring that up in, a, in, a, in, especially in a conversation that is we're defining as a how-to conversation, because, because that's one of the things I think a lot of times that, that, that I'll notice that response to when, when you, when, when I talk to people about not taking something personally is um, there's, there's, I mean, there's an automatic response from lots of people, which is, is um, yeah, well, that's easier said than done. And it's like, 
you know, and of course the response to that I always have, which is, well, of course it is. It, it's like, you know, it, but, but the, I, but you know, when we get into this kind of stuff, easier said than done sometimes means I don't think I can do it, you know? And it's, it's like, yeah, it is easier said than done. And we're not suggesting that to say, don't take something personally, that's not a technique. You know, that's that, you know, that, no, that takes, we have to find out how, so how do you do that? You know, how, you know, how do you, how do you get there? How do you, how do you find yourself there? How do you, you know, what do you do when you drift off and how do you get yourself back? You know, it's, it's all of that stuff. There's so much, there's so much technique to it. And that's what I always think we're we're talking about when we talk about how to is technique. How do you do it? Let me elaborate on that a minute, Tom, because I've Mm -hmm. taken something from what you've said and use that to help people with this taking, you know, things personally. Okay. You know, and one of the things that I've done is I said, look, maybe the first thing before you get to not taking it personally is just entertain the idea that possibly (laughs) just have a shadow of a doubt that maybe it wasn't personal what the person did. Reasonable doubt. That's it. Reasonable doubt. Have a reasonable doubt that it wasn't personal. It might not have been. It might not have been. And see, if you just let that idea slip into your consciousness, right, just a little bit, you know, let it have some space inside your consciousness Mm -hmm. that it might grow. And then the follow-up question is, so if you have this shadow of a doubt, a reasonable doubt, as mm-hmm. you call it, mm-hmm. then you might ask, well, if it wasn't personal, then what did it mean about them? See, then the second question. It opens, it opens up a follow-up question. It opens up yeah. another question to just see if you can further elaborate on or expand the possibility that it might not have been personal. You know, because I just need to say this out loud because you're right at taking it personally basically stops us in our tracks. That becomes a punctuation. And we no longer are investigating. See, that's where the reaction comes in. Oh, my God, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. Or, you know, I failed or I'm this or I'm that. And we go into either self-doubt or. You know, now we start to blame them. Look at how unreasonable they are. Or well, it's what, judgment what, either way. It's, it begins yeah, with doubt, but it's, I'm going to judge them or I'm going to judge me. Usually the first response yeah. is to deal with this by judgment. Judging and, and that, and that, stops, that stops the investigation. It, it paralyzes you. Mm-hmm. It paralyzes you. It keeps you stuck in an objection rather than in coping. And see, what we're looking for is to get the door open enough to to mobilize your resources to cope with the situation that's bothering you. Yes, And that's why I love that. When you said it, I started applying it to this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. personally thing. Mm -hmm. Just for a moment, can you entertain the possibility that maybe the slightest Mm -hmm. chance, but Mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't personal. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't, then what could that mean? Yeah. You can also ask that in the form of hypotheticals, which are, which are really challenging to us when we're, when we're very, very judgmental. If that, if that were not the case, if this, if, if, you know, if this, if that were not the case, um, it's, you know, what, what might you be, what, what might be another alternative way of looking at it or what might be, a um, um, yeah, just, just, just the hypothetical, but if, okay, that, if that's not it, what would it be? What could it be? Could. Now, another, another technique 
and this comes from gestalt therapy mm-hmm. to exaggerate it. So what you yeah. can do is to say, all right, if it's personal, let's think of all the things that it means about you then. Go ahead and elaborate and take it to an absurd extreme, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go ahead and they elaborate on this. And I say, are you sure you're talking about them? And they go, what do you mean? Right. Well, that's how I experience you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, wait yep. a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Maybe I'm not seeing them at all. Maybe I'm seeing my projection of how I feel about myself. I mean, I I really think that that's a real part of this stuff is that, you know, in in graduate school, we learned about what's called the projective fit. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is, let's say, putting you down, well, if there's a part of you that agrees with them, that part gets activated. Yeah. And now it's two against nobody. You're not on your side. It's right. you and that other person against you. And down the tubes you go, down the drain you right. go. Well, and, and, uh, and interestingly, one of the things is if, if, if you are activated by it, if you are offended by it, then what that tells us is there is a part of you that agrees. Exactly. Because, you know, it's, I tell people all the time that if, people, if people, people say something to me that I know is absolutely not true about me, it it, it it brings the immediate shrug. I, what? Or you know? it's true and you've accepted it, right? Yeah, it's there's no big deal. Yeah, so yeah, if somebody it's were to say, Tom, it. it's not just are, you... it's not true. If it's okay. something I know, like, hey, you're a selfish asshole. Mm-hmm. God, I know that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or or some yeah. For me, one of the things is because I love the idea that we have a we have choices over the sources of self esteem that everything doesn't have the same value, and it was it was such a freedom for me to understand that that I don't have a very I'm not very invested in being competent at being an administrator. If somebody were to say you're so unorganized and confused in your in your organizational skills, I would say yeah. <laughs> And your and your point is, you know, it's like you're again, you're stating the obvious. It's like and and, and but in the old days, what and this is a this is a, this is a big takeaway. I think for if, if you haven't done this, people need to pay attention to this. Is this this choice about you know the, the you have choices about your sources of self esteem? You know what when you have that should monster in your head that tells you all these bad things. It's like what ends up happening is that the things that you you act like you value more are just things that you tell yourself you're bad at. When in fact you have to ask the additional question is, do you care? You know, I used to when I used to work for other people, you know, I, I was always in trouble for writing bad case notes. I, would, I did case notes all wrong. You know, it's like I always did, you know, and, and I would try it a little bit. But it's like then but I finally realized I don't care, you know. And so so I think that's that's part of that, too. That, and that may be a part of we could probably try that into the disappointment thing, too, is the idea is pay attention to whether or not a disappointment, the definition of disappointment is any kind of negative, you know, or less than positive feedback. It's like some of it doesn't need to matter. Well, that's interesting about the case notes. So did, was there a time when you took that very personally and you thought you were oh, bad I, because, you yeah, I would, because I, I was in trouble and I was getting, you know, and I was getting in trouble and, 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 you know, it's like, and more than just, I was just trying to keep a job because, because I, you know, I probably going to we're going to lose my job over that stuff. It's like, yeah, it was years later after I was no longer doing that, that I realized, you know, I didn't get that at the time. It's, it's like, like, wow, what a bunch of wasted energy. I was a personal assistant 
for a couple of years and I was the worst personal assistant in the world. And uh, oh, I bet you would be. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad that I don't I'm glad that I seem to have uh, dropped the ball on taking that personally, because if I was still clinging to that, I would uh, be in terrible shape. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, that's a good thing to remember is that, you know, most of us, you know, some people are just unbelievably and, and I think irritatingly multi-talented and those people get on my last nerve, but it's, it's like most, most of us suck at some things and it's like, I think that's an okay thing. So see, that's the other thing I think we're saying is that be open. If some, somebody is saying something to you and it bothers you, that maybe you've got a blind spot that you're not looking at something you need to look at too. It's mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. just, it's not just rejecting these things, but it's really, you know, the way I've heard it described is when we develop emotional sobriety, we become the sifter of our own experience. So I, like it. I have an experience and I sift through it and I keep what's going to be of value and grow me and I let go of the rest. That becomes the healthy thing that I'm actively participating in the experience I'm having. And so if I sift through it and I see something, you know, God, that feedback they gave me, that was right on. There is a part of me that's exactly like that. And obviously it's showing up more than I realized. Yes. And, and to, to put that into what I was, we were saying before about the stuff that we don't necessarily care about. This is, this is the harder, this is the harder piece. We're going to let go of the disappointment that, that Patrick is a, is, is a, is, is not a good personal assistant because he doesn't care. It's like, but we get feedback and we realize because we have enough humility to, to keep our defenses down and say, Oh, wow. This is something I can look at and I can get better. And that's, and that's one of the, I mean, this may seem corny because I think we find different ways of saying this in throughout recovery, but it's so pivotal is, you know, the, um, the Ryan holiday wrote a book called the obstacle is the way. And I love the name of that book. I love the book itself too, but it's like, but the idea, the idea being, it's like, no, that's an opportunity. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is, you know, it's, I mean, hell, we all, all three of us have one thing in common, the, the world around us, you know, maybe a certain individuals, but the world around us told us at some point, we got a serious problem with alcohol and drugs, you know, and we, we didn't take that seriously in real, you know, the, the, the fact that we're all three sitting here today is the idea that we did in fact realize that was a criticism of us. It was a critique of us that was absolutely true. Only we were going to step up to it. We could only, we're the only ones that could, could sift through it and make, make something of it. That's why this, I'm continually fascinated by people who look at this stuff, not through a recovery framework, because that's how I look at everything because of my lived mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I can only recognize problems as opportunities <laughs> because of reaching a bottom and then finding kind of like, some steps and climbing up from that as a mode of living, I need to recognize problems as opportunities or um, I'll just, I, I wouldn't be able to make it outside of that recovery framework, how people can come to some of these yeah. same, same places is uh, I don't know how they do it, but I'm, you know, kudos to them. Well, I, I wrote down what that, that was. A, that's a wonderful sentence. I can only see problems as opportunities. That's right. It's we're always looking for the emergent opportunity. Right. In any situation, there's an emerging opportunity to go to to go to your your language, Alan, to look for new possibilities. That's right. That's there's always that. And, and you know, one of the things that I've been talking about lately and I talked about 
in the emotional sobriety study group that we have um, that, you know, the wider the range of possible um, responses, being able to find the most appropriate response to a particularly challenging situation, mm -hmm. you're going to have a better chance of coping. Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is help people move away from their habitual ways of responding and discover new possibilities. Mm -hmm. That's the exciting thing about this. I think it's the thing that you and it keeps you and I most excited, yeah. you know, continuing to be excited about the work we do both clinically and, and, you know, through the Thursday night group. I mean, look at, there's a woman that got on the Thursday night group. Remember she shared and was crying about what this meant for her, how mm -hmm. she's discovered her recovery yeah. wants to go back and be a therapist because mm -hmm, of this mm -hmm. she got burnt out and couldn't see the way i mean that's the meaning that this stuff has mm -hmm. and it's particularly relevant to all of this stuff about disappointment now one other thing that we left because last time we talked a lot about you know what do you do when you're in a situation and that there's a lot out of your control like the political yeah Theme yeah. right now that's going on in our country and you know the incredible disappointment people have had with supreme court decisions lately mm -hmm. um and how it seems to be so out of touch with the majority of individuals in our in our mm -hmm. society you know what do we do with that how do we manifest and you and i talked about it afterwards tom we were saying that mm -hmm. look you know one of the things that's really very helpful is when you're confronting a situation you don't like, get involved, do something to change it at whatever mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. Joining a group, volunteering your time for, you know, a politician that you do think is going, can make a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but whatever it is, is to mobilize yourself with the feelings you have. See, so, you know, look, our nation became free because people said, BS with these taxations without mm -hmm, representation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They got fed up with somebody telling us what to do when we had no say in it, right? Right. And that created an unbelievable movement that men and women gave their lives to have this country become independent. Yes. Right. Our but, but let me let me say because I think this really gets to the what the whole essence of what what uh, uh, emotional sobriety is. Because emotional sobriety to me is 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 always about being able to come back to find that that place of, um, uh, and sometimes we'll say peace, but I don't mean like peace, like everything's okay. I mean just this, of, of just authenticity. I guess is a better word for it, yeah. of in the moment. So the idea is, it's a it's a two prong approach. It's, it's like yes, go take some action. To, we can't control we can't control the uh, other other people, places, and things. We do have the power of influence, but we have all the power of influence only by doing what we what is best for us from at that time. So go go do that. Take the action. Get get involved in in the group. But then don't forget to come back home to 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 your center. And the idea is look, and this is the part about that is like because ultimately, one day we all gonna, we're all going to die, and on that day everything will not be settled, and everything in our lives, personal lives or our our public life will not be okay. It's like so. What we need to be doing every single day is as we do the best we can, as we be the best person we can be, we need to be sure and come back and realize. And this is kind of where we started off today, which is is 
is I can be, I can be incredibly disappointed. I can be deeply pained by what's, what's going on around me and still be okay. I can still have my feet on the ground. I cannot, I, I can basically be, be able to, to, to connect to my gratitude uh, without it having to be a way of, of trying to uh, pretend that the bad stuff isn't happening. It's like, it's like, I call it appropriate compartmentalization. I can put that over there and say, okay, we're working on that. There's nothing more I can do. I learned this in the program too. I mean, I just remember there's people in the program early on saying, saying, you know, you ask yourself the question, is there anything else I can do about this today? And if there's not, you got the rest of the day off, right? you know? And, and listen, it's very important when you're doing this to unhook yourself from the results. Yes. See, that becomes incredibly important when I get involved. It doesn't mean, let's say I, I support a politician. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't get elected, it doesn't mean that I just wasted my time. No, you did not. You did what you felt was important. And your reward comes in being committed to your values and your integrity and right. that's and that's the payoff it's an intrinsic reward and see that's the other thing that's getting reprogrammed for us in emotional sobriety mm-hmm. instead of looking for these extrinsic rewards other rewards other mm-hmm. validation so to speak we're learning how to validate ourselves right we're learning and, and, how to and, do the absolutely. right the right thing well, and to feel good about it because it was the right thing for us Right. We, and we change I, what I think is we change our job description of ourselves as human beings, which is the job description is not to, I, you know, I, I need to accomplish, you know, the, the, the government and my country to to uh, be what I want it to be. The job description is I need to every single day of my life be the best version of myself that I can be. And if I have, if I am doing that, then then I'm doing my job. Right. That's that's the pivot point on step seven. Looking yes. to the best possible attitude towards ourselves, towards others, and towards life. And, and what we're saying with emotional, what emotional sobriety says is, and by the way, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Can I read a quote to you guys? Yeah. It's from Cornell West. Hope and optimism are different. Optimism tends to be based on the notion that there's enough evidence out there to believe things are going to be better, much more rational, deeply secular. Whereas hope looks at, at the evidence and says, it doesn't look good at all. doesn't look good at all. Going to go beyond the evidence to create new possibilities based on visions that become contagious to allow people to engage in heroic actions, always against the odds, no guarantee whatsoever. That's hope. I'm a prisoner of hope. Going to die a prisoner of hope. Beautiful. Very nice. Well, like great that. way to wrap up this episode, you guys. Good luck Stop. managing any and all future disappointments. Absolutely. Change your life. Tinge your myth Cultivate your narrative With whomever you're with Then with glass in hand And children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee 
bring some stories, bring your stories back to me.